0: Hey, welcome to episode five of the Random Redux Review podcast. And I just want to take a minute to say, yeah, I'm still doing this, even though I still don't know kind of what I'm doing. That's okay. I imagine there's many areas in life where you don't know what you're doing, and you just sally forth anyway. And that's kind of what the podcast is about, even if it doesn't seem like it on the surface. I don't think this particular episode is going to be that long. Maybe it will be. Maybe it won't. It's what I'm calling the R3 User's Manual. and Q. user.
1: Welcome to the Random Redux Review Podcast.
0: Uh, I wanted to kind of go through sort of what the whole point of this is because even if it doesn't seem like there's a point there really is I don't believe anybody should do anything the way they're supposed to in life in general do what makes you happy go after things just encouraging people to be themselves to live life on their terms not on somebody else's terms or some other disease or some other situations terms don't let it stop you from doing various things that you want to do, I mean, yes, it's not going to be easy because of those issues, but in many cases, there's ways to at least work around the worst of it. This is so boring. And for fuck's sake, be interesting. Yup. So that's one of the reasons why I actually don't like most podcasts they're just boring. I'd like some, and perhaps I'll get into that in future episodes, but... I don't want this to be boring. To cool. cool. So that's also to, like, the music you hear. It's because I'm trying, originally I was just trying to go for something a little bit more polished and prepackaged. Like, you listen to, like, an NPR or radio show or something like that. And, it, like, it moves along quickly. There's, like, little segments and things like oh, that. God. Like so many podcasts are just straight interviews. And unless you're really, really interested in who the person is and what they're talking about ready to nerd out of that, like, kind of boring. So I'm just trying to keep things flowing quickly and moving. It's to, to Just talk, talk, and talk, and talk, and, talk, and talk. talk. Yeah, 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 I know. Don't worry, I'm almost done yapping about this and getting into it. So with that being said, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, it's the user's manual. So I forget a lot. So I'm going to be wondering about some of the components of this particular... Podcasts like Prince, what's what's up with the voices? Yeah, Yeah, that's 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 hard. Well, I'm not totally sure. Some of it is a deep need for me to get attention. The other thing, whether it's good attention or bad attention, is a different question, I suppose. But it's it's not the entirety of it. Those voices sort of represent. The voices in my head because that is often what I'm thinking about when I say things or don't say things. You're, you're such, such a piece of crap. Nobody, Nobody cares what you're saying. Say. I have these other sort of voices and personalities in my head talking to me. I know I'm not alone in that. Oh, uh, Jesus. I just feel like this podcast is a platform to sort of express that out loud. You're so close. I'm at a point in my life where Frankly, I just don't give a fuck. So think about me. Think of me whatever you want. I guarantee you that I have thought way worse about myself at different points in my life, and I feel like I've sort of learned to overcome that to a certain degree, although not entirely, but... Yeah. First, let's just start with the name, and maybe that'll start. To, maybe that'll start to kind of elucidate some things in your mind and get a clear picture. Although it's not even clear in my head. No, no kidding. kidding. Anyway, the first one, random. I think that's pretty obvious. Every episode is different, so therefore, random. Different topics, different issues, different things that we'll be doing. How we talk about them will be different. Maybe just me, maybe groups of people. So that's the random. Uh, I basically, I walk a lot. That's part of my balance therapy for the whole, you know, what thing that's going on. And so I listen to a lot of music. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I have a lot of thoughts about what's right and wrong because there's so many shitty podcasts out there. But anyway, I'm not an expert of any sort, but that's never stopped anybody else from expressing opinions about anything. So anyway, next, Redux. Redux is a word that's not commonly used in everyday conversation, but it's used occasionally. It's more sort of a liter- literati word. Mr. Mr. Fancy. <laughs> I always thought it was pronounced redo, but it's not. It's pronounced redux. First heard it in conjunction with the book Rabbit Redux by John Updike, which was an author that I liked very much when I was in high school. Anyway, redux, as sort of the alternate pronunciation of redo, sort of might lead you to believe is sort of like a revisiting it's more like sort of a deja vu where it's very similar but slightly different and kind of are taking bits and pieces and learning from it by the next word review originally i wanted to have a remix in the name, as suggested by uh, Leon House, who you met in episode two, but you know, two X words just doesn't sound that great, so I went with a review instead, since it's a, sort of a similar, and plus it also gets at the fact that one of the things I really want to do, because most of the podcasts that I actually enjoy, He's is still talking about movies or records or what have you, and just talking about them, basically talking crap. Not talking crap, praising, um, just sort of talking about things that I'm interested in. So that's the review part. Oh my, my original idea was just to sort of rehash and repackage a lot of the old, sort of, you know, I've made a lot of videos, I've appeared on a lot of podcasts, I even had another podcast. Humble Previous to this. Uh, that was much more straightforward. Didn't last for a variety of reasons, and that's okay. I enjoyed doing it. I'm happy with how it turned out, but it's over now. I think per- I'm pretty sure it's over. We never officially ended it, but we haven't recorded an episode in, in almost two years now. So you uh, did the math. Anyway, End this. the original idea was just sort of to repackage and put a lot, of that st- repurpose a lot of that stuff out in another sort of format. Just because for me, I'm not necessarily looking to be like the most popular content creator in the world or anything like that. Because I already, knew that's not going to happen. But um, just to put some information out there that might help people in some way, shape, or form. So I figured podcast was easy. Just turn things into audio things. But anyway, I can't let sleeping dogs lie, as they as they as they say. I do have a lot of really cool interviews lined up. Once I'm, I'm very excited about it. I'm actually kind of really surprised that some of these people said yes, but I'm grateful for that. Anyway, um, I will sprinkle in some of the older material in between episodes, just because... Um, hey, can you cut that out? It's a little distracting. Some of you may not believe I am not an analyst sorts of energy. A number of people have remarked to me about how they marvel about how I do so much stuff. And, And the truth is, I really don't do that much. I am just very consistent and persistent with what I do do. He said, do you do? And let me tell you, you should have seen me before Cancer because I'm pretty exhausted most of the time now. I do things here and there whenever I have a little bit of time. But enough of that, about that. Yes. yes. One thing I did not want this podcast to be is a straightforward just a straight cancer podcast because frankly of all the podcasts out there i really kind of despise those the most i mean i think they're great i actually enjoy some like cancer for breakfast thanks cancer obviously the like cancer pod there's a few others that i like but for the most part i really despise cancer podcasts just because it's i don't know i think their relative lack of popularity kind of says it all i mean cancer is a hard niche just to gain any sort of traction and while i'm not necessarily looking for traction i would like some people to listen and i think um something that's more helpful to, to many people especially um to folks who don't have cancer is to better understand it and not be so scared of it and so that's also kind of another point here i think there's a lot to be learned from the cancer quote unquote experience because uh, it's certainly not a journey, it's an experience more than anything but um, I think it could be applied to many, many other areas of life I know it's all, a lot of it is stuff that I wish I would have been more cognizant of at a younger age so anyway, hopefully uh, listening to this rather ill-advised experiment of mine will help you manage whatever situation it is you have in your life So yeah, I guess you could categorize, I guess you could categorize this particular podcast as self-help, motivational, yeah, it's relaxed. No, no, No. I'm not going into another guide to meditation. I'm just trying to illustrate the point that with this podcast. Nothing, 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 as it seems. seems, there's always an ulterior motive to everything that I put in these episodes. And with that said, I'd probably let you guys listen to the first two episodes of the podcast I mentioned before, Guys with Cancer, one that I did with my friend Jeff Nierman leukemia guy you'll find that out soon enough anyway this is the first two episodes if you listen to it great i really hope you do but if you don't i also understand if you don't want to hear cancer stuff but to paraphrase matthew mcconaughey it'd be a lot cooler if you did
1: With cancer podcast, the podcast you never knew you needed. This is the podcast by Guys with Cancer, for Guys with Cancer, and everyone else. Here are your hosts, Rudy Fishman and Jeff Nerman.
2: Welcome to Guys with Cancer, episode number one. R- Rudy and I, we uh, have, a, have a lot in common. We're both dads who have uh, two young kids, and we are you know, happily married family men, and um, we both interestingly have had the unusual experience of living in, in New York and also living in pretty much the opposite of New York—rural
3: um, area—is what he's trying to say. And then there's also the, the sort of big detail too, which is it's called bearing the lead, which is. We both have cancer. Fun. Oh, I Yay. forgot that. Yeah,
2: yeah, I forgot, I forgot that part. Yeah, I forgot.
3: Yeah. So anyway, if you're listening to this, my guess is that you probably have cancer, know somebody with cancer, or kind of curious what a show called uh, "Guys with Cancer" is all about.
2: Our inspiration is that I think that there are a lot of great resources out there, including a lot of terrific podcasts for people with cancer. But there seemed to be a surprisingly or maybe not so surprisingly but a, a very small uh, universe of podcasts and similar tools for, peop, for men with, with cancer, and, and not to sound sexually exclusionary or gender biased in any way. but I, I think that we were inspired by some of the great work that a lot of that's being done with a lot of female Groups, um, particularly around cancers like breast cancer, where they've have these really useful podcasts that are really supportive of, of one another, and I think that for men, for whatever reason, there seems to be a real paucity of 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 these types of resources for us and.
3: Paucity. I like that word. Thank it's you. Yes, I, word I, looked, I
2: looked that up. I, I was going to, yeah, I, I thought I would try to use one big sounding word in this uh, initial episode. Yeah, I don't yeah so
3: was. what just getting at is that I think our hope is that we wanted to make a show kind of geared more towards men or at least about men who are experiencing cancer just to kind of raise awareness and, and just show how the experience is maybe just a little bit different. I know for me growing up, we're both roughly the same age, but You're um right. maybe this maybe this well, yeah, I am older, but just slightly just want
2: I want to point that out every time I get a chance, but yeah, okay
3: <laughs> um anyway, but I just remember growing up, the only type of cancer that I was really aware of was breast cancer, and if you look at where most of the most of the advances have been in the world of of cancer treatments. It's been primarily in, in breast, the world of breast cancer. And I think the part that is because people were more comfortable talking about it. So I think our hope is in getting men more comfortable talking about cancer and the sorts of cancers that impact us and the way we deal with them, maybe that'll somehow add to the larger conversation and raise awareness and and lead to all sorts of things. I mean, would you agree? I mean, that's kind of where I'm coming from, anyway, with this.
2: So. Yes. Uh, no. Absolutely. In uh, all seriousness, and I, and I think that, I think that again, I don't I don't want to gender stereotype, but but I think that particularly around cancer, such as breast cancer, women have have been able to do a fantastic job of of being supportive of one another, and and I think that we would sort of like to emulate that for men and the different types of cancer that men get, which by the way, can of course include breast cancer in men, but
3: so we don't, like, to be, don't we call it pectoral cancer or something like that? I mean, yeah. It's like same difference, but it's the same cancer. So,
2: yeah. And, uh, I think that, and, and I don't know if it, I think, you, you know, being the older one here, and I both are from a generation, though, where I think there's a certain degree of stiff upper lipidness, um, if that's a term, where mm-hmm. I think men tend to not feel as comfortable uh, discussing issues like this. And I... and I,
3: w- Is the word you're looking for stoicism?
2: Oh, that would be a better word. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Look, I'm already... Capped out. I, use, I use paucity, too. so that's, you know... but. So, yeah, there's a degree of stoicism that I think is uh, unfortunately counterproductive when it comes to dealing with something as transformative as cancer. And I would hope that we can sort of bridge that gap a little bit and, and be able to be a forum or at least a, a tool for people – for to talk about these issues that affect men because there are a lot of issues that are, are not unique to men, but I think that you know, there are a lot of, again, sort of stereotypical things about being a man. And, yeah,
3: let's get the dudes to talk a little bit about cancer and not be so quiet about it. So, But I think before we get into changing the world um, and getting off <laughs> that's, that's happy, too, yeah. Yeah, episode two. Um, we'll just start by telling you guys a little bit about ourselves. Jeff, so you want to explain your cancer? Because I think it's also, too, we're not going to be talking about, like, the obvious male cancers like testicular cancer or prostate cancer and things like that. I think it's, it's all types of cancer. And I know we certainly, both Jeff and I, don't have either one of those cancers that are typically associated with just men. Jeff, I'll just let you kind of explain sort of your medical history. And I'll explain mine.
2: Okay. Well, I I have a type of leukemia known as chronic lymphocytic leukemia, which I it is largely uh, for many people who have it, somewhat of a somewhat of an invisible cancer because there's no physical necessarily apparent manifestation of it. It's a blood cancer, and it's... Unlike what yeah, I
3: think it's, the best way to describe it is blood cancer. Right? Yeah, it is. It's one of the trickier cancers too. I think just because it's one of the things, one of the issues that will probably hit too, in a bunch is the invisibility of of cancer. There are people who, you know, once they get past sort of that critical first year, year and a half when they're going through treatment or whatever, and sort of the reality is hitting that you have this horrible disease, where you know, you're kind of seemingly fine in the outside world, but leukemia is not one of the. Until it gets really bad, is one of those cancers that doesn't have any. It's not like you had uh, you had something amputated to, as the treatment. So it's just right. sort of a wait and watch type cancer. So I, I,
2: I did. I did. I should say I did have a a spot one time on my arm that the, the dermatologist could not identify, and she sent it for pathology, <laughs> and she called. She called me a few days later, and I love my dermatologist, and the phone call began like this. She said, hi, it's Dr. So-and-so. I said, hello. She said, yeah, what's the name of your oncologist? So, you know, I, that's not the type of phone call that usually uh, one wants to receive, but 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 it's basically not a visible cancer. And I've had it for six years, and they just watched it for the first four and a half or so, and then it got to a point where they decided that they had to do something, and that something was six months' worth of chemotherapy. So now I'm technically in remission, but it's not curable, which when, like I said, it's called chronic lymphocytic leukemia, and one of the things I think that you quickly learn as is, is, is a person with cancer is when they use the term chronic, that's really just a euphemism for we don't know how to cure you. So, yeah, um, it's a,
3: another euphemism for
2: forever. Yeah, until you die. Right. Well, you're gonna have this until you die.
3: Um, <laughs> oh, so and strobe on that. note, as I think you can probably tell just from the way Jeff is talking about this, is that a big part of this wonderful journey that is having cancer is dealing with sort of the 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 anxiety and the neuroticism that develops and just being paranoid about everything. And and so we want to have a, this show to to be a to be sort of a place where guys can talk about guy stuff related to cancer so anyway with that being said i am
0: sorry just punching in real fast because what i said the episode wasn't it's actually been updated anyway depending on who you're asking me a grade two or three astrocytoma you're very confusing but it's brain cancer
3: i have a, a a tumor in my brain stem i did have a tumor in my cerebellum most of that was re- removed during a craniotomy, aka brain surgery, about a year ago. Obviously, the stuff in the brainstem they couldn't touch. I'm at the tail end of dealing with chemotherapy myself. I've been very fortunate that with my particular variety of brain cancer, that didn't really impact me too much physically, just or cognitively. Just I have some I have some balance issues and fatigue issues. I'm dealing with a lot that's related to the chemotherapy too. So. So I think that's also just sort of another element to this series that I think we'll get into is just what to expect, not when you're expecting, but what to expect when you have cancer. I'm sure the idea of having testicular cancer or a male having breast cancer or or whatever type of cancer is a different sort of experience. And I think also just being fathers as well, it's just sort of how that impacts your relationship with your kids, with your spouse, your partner, significant other, because that in itself is quite a wonderful adventure. I'm <laughs> being sarcastic. at some quotations. So for this first right. episode, Jeff, is there anything else you want to get into?
2: I know the the listeners are going to want this just to continue indefinitely, but um, you know we we want to leave them wanting more. That's I think the secret right in showbiz. Just to emphasize something that you touched on earlier is that, that there's so much about having cancer that is beyond the clinical, beyond the lab tests and the scans and the the impacts that it has on, one, emotionally and on the people around you, that I think we, we want to be able to talk to those things and to make it so that others feel that what they're going through is not so... Atypical. I think one of the hardest things about cancer is that it can be a very lonely experience, even when you're like us and, and are fortunate to have really good people around you who love you and care about you. It's it's a, it's a very isolating experience in a lot of ways, and I think that by sharing a lot of the things that we've learned and gone through, I think we can make it hopefully a lot less Lon- lonely for for people and and a, a somewhat more. Think of us experience. as your
3: n- new cancer best friends.
2: <laughs> I mean, <that's>, yes, <laughs> yes.
3: I know there's a term where it's sort of finding your cancer tribe that I've heard on some podcasts more towards women, because some people aren't comfortable going to support groups. Some people are more comfortable with that, and everybody's different, has a different opinion. Some people like hanging out with people with cancer. Some people don't, if you have cancer, everybody's a little, sort of a little different, but it's always good, I think, regardless of you have to, to have one or two people in your life who kind of you can talk to who or listen to, who have, who've been through the journey, who kind of helped lead the way. So think of us as your your new cancer tribe, so to speak, or in your corner. I know that that's been very helpful for me, just having a few people. I'm not one of those guys that really like support groups. I do see a therapist. Uh, I'm not really a therapist. I'm not really a support group kind of guy, but I do belong to a few Facebook closed groups that I've found helpful, just to kind of bounce off ideas of like, hey, have you heard about this medication, or or just somebody just a distraction who kind of understands that. If you're being negative one day it doesn't mean that your outlook on everything is negative it's just that there's ups and downs yeah I think it's the important thing Regardless of the type of cancer you have is that you are generally positive but there's also being realistic it's like first days having cancer is hard not an easy journey it's very lonely like you said there's not a lot of people who really understand what it's like to go through. I really, I I come back to this a lot, but I just remember what people have the saying of, well, you could die tomorrow, you could get hit by a bus. I think having cancer more is like, no, I will get hit by a bus. I just don't know exactly if it's going to be tomorrow or the day after or whatever. And impacts. you don't want to let it control your life, but you can't, there is a, a factor there where you kind of have to deal with reality. You know, and it's nice to to talk to somebody or hear somebody talk about their experiences and and be able to kind of know where they're coming from and an understanding that negatives, if you kind of take with a grain of salt, positives, if you kind of take with a grain of salt, and eventually it makes you all feel a little more comfortable and less lonely in the journey. I mean, would you agree with that, Jeff?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm like you. I'm not a. I was never somebody who felt that a support group was the right support for me, which is not to criticize support groups in any way. But I, I frankly, very selfishly, I, I was afraid <laughs> afraid to join them because I thought one, one of two things could happen. W- one is I would meet people who were much worse off than I was. And then I would, being the, the somewhat less than optimistic person that I am naturally, would think, oh, oh, this is my future. And so so I I, I shied away from it for that reason. And then on the other hand, I also didn't want to be in support groups with people who have the same diagnosis that I have, who have gone 20 years and have never had the first problem. And then I thought I would just feel jealous and even a little bit bitter about that. I, I think it's 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 hard to find the right support system for everyone, and and,
3: and, and I think that it kind of leads in nicely to the sorts of things that we'll be talking about in this podcast. I mean, it's okay to be jealous of people who are better off than you. It's okay to feel uh, have your various cancer guilt, and we'll talk about all that on this series we will talk about how it's okay to have good days, bad days. It's okay to be jealous. It's okay to feel bad on um, one day.
2: Are we also going to be, talk about how it's okay to nap? I just want to make sure we get that in because I, as you know, I, I'm very, very partial to napping.
3: As am I, I mean, going to chemo, so I definitely understand that. And from what I understand, especially because like I have a tumor in my brain stem. I mean, cancer in general just sort of weighs you down. Um, and, and makes you tired, as most of our listeners will be aware of. But when it's in your brainstem, when it's in your brain, you just get especially tired. It's like today I started a new drug, and it's kind of a joke. I started Ritalin just because I'm in the deep phases of chemo, finishing up. And just the dreaded drug known as Tembodar causes severe fatigue, like crazy fatigue. And, like, you know, my wife has actually been great throughout this whole process. She's basically been a single parent as as I've gone through my recovery and so she kind of was like oh an energy boosting drug I want to try that and she tried it and was bouncing off the walls meanwhile I took a nap it's like cancer fatigue is real naps are a necessity
2: Well, we they had to schedule are... we had to schedule this initial recording around our our nap schedule I mean that's
3: that's that's true that's yeah. true so I think that's very important. What are some other topics? Um, I know that we've we've discussed a few ideas for some upcoming episodes, but in terms of what could to leave a bit of a cliffhanger now that we've talked probably for a good twenty minutes, which is a good length for an episode, what sort of what sort of topics do you anticipate that we'll be talking about in the next few episodes and in the future? I think one thing it's important to notice too that that as we discuss these things, some of them will just be us babbling, some of it'll will be us babbling to other people because trust me neither one of us gets tired of talking about cancer um as our spouses will probably attest (laughs) which is another reason why we want to do this podcast because spouses are tired of listening to us babble on about cancer so anyway
2: well i i don't i don't i don't think people uh not to not to Make it uh, introduce another serious topic, which is something we can discuss on a future episode. But 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 I think that people don't really understand. You know, they think, oh well, well, you had surgery, you had radiation, you went through chemo, whatever, you're okay, right? You know, and they don't really seem to often appreciate the fact that the ramifications from everything that one goes through just they don't just disappear along with, you know, being in remission or cured or, or whatever. You know, that unfortunately cancer has a real a real annoying habit of, <laughs> of staying with you and whether creating it's physically surprises, or not
3: fun kind of, Yeah, not the fun kind of surprises. There's, and a lot of the journey really is is psychological, whether it's skin skin anxiety or do you it's blood draw anxiety or just it's general just, anxiety about your own mortality, because one thing that I've learned from talking to different people with different types of cancer is that it seems like kind of a universal that oncologists only kind of know what they're talking about, and they're better educated than most of us on it, but cancer research is still pretty new. So so part of this podcast is also just sort of venting and giving listeners a chance to be like, Oh yeah, so I'm not crazy. My local doctor isn't horrible. It's just, that's just where we are with science and with reality. So it's hard, it's a very hard journey and hopefully by listening to us babble and us babble to other people, that'll help you in your own journey. Uh, whether yeah. you are somebody who's undergoing cancer treatment half have cancer, you're post the sort of critical early stages or a 14 year survivor slash endurer, sort of a place to vent. What are some other topics that you think we'll be getting into in the near well, future, Well, I, I, I don't
2: know. I, don't, I mean, I think, you know, maybe we'll, we'll talk, like as you said, to other people who are going through cancer or supporting people who are going through cancer in their experiences and with different forms of cancer, but also something you just touched on, and I don't know if will want to <laughs> go down that road, but, but there's a lot of sensitivity about language and what people say and and some of the behaviors that go on about cancer and 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 I think an important thing, not a particularly uplifting one, but an important topic that you just addressed is that really there's so much that's still unknown about cancer that it's really pretty frightening because yeah. it's, it's, I don't want to say it's guesswork what they're doing. It's not, but it's not a whole lot more certain <laughs> than guesswork. And so I think things like that, and I don't know, will, 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 will we get crazy and talk like insurance and things like that? I don't know.
3: Yeah, Probably.
1: Thanks for listening to Guys With Cancer. This is the Guys With Cancer podcast, the podcast you never knew you needed. This is the podcast by Guys With Cancer, for Guys With Cancer, and everyone else. Here are your hosts. Rudy Fishman and Jeff Nerman.
3: Welcome to the second episode of Guys with Cancer, the podcast. Today's topic, we want to talk a little bit about cancer language verbiage slash etiquette, just how to talk to somebody who has cancer. So how would you put it, Jeff?
2: I think that that's you, you phrase it excellently, uh, as usual. And I, and I was just thinking about going to have this whole series of essential podcasts that everyone with cancer will need to to listen to and memorize. But but it makes sense, I think, in, in our early episode here, number two, to talk about the, the terminology and how to use it and not use it because there's really a lot to learn. I I know myself. I I had no idea about a lot of cancer terms and sensitivity around a lot of them and I'm still learning <laughs> even though I've had cancer for over 6 years so I think there's a lot can rub people the wrong way so it's it's, it's essential to understand not only what we're talking about when we talk about different cancer Topics, but also how 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 not to how not to talk about some of these topics.
3: So. Cancer is a pretty complicated thing. I mean, most people think of cancer as a single disease, when it's actually really just a blanket term for a whole lot of the diseases. And especially the first year, the person who's experiencing it, it's it's it's, a, it's very overwhelming. They're they're dealing with a lot of psychological things. And yeah, I think really just sort of the general rule for most people, if you have a friend or a loved one who's undergoing a cancer diagnosis is a lot of times it's just to not really say anything other than just being there, treating them like a, as you did before, obviously maybe with a little bit more empathy. We're both pretty active in the social media uh, cancer communities and there's a lot of hot button terms and, and phrases that set people off that seem rather innocuous to the uninitiated into the cancer
2: world. That's also why I think this is so important is because I think for hopefully the vast numbers of people who are listening who themselves are fortunate enough not to have cancer but care about somebody who does, this will hopefully educate them about ways that they can comfortably talk with and empathize with people with cancer. But that that being said, of course, you know, everybody's different. I think you and I are probably fairly easygoing when it comes to usage of different terms. I mean, I personally, it's whatever works for them. But there are a lot of other people who are quite sensitive, and I think it's within their purview to be, to be sensitive about it.
3: Yeah, kind of what we're getting at is there's certain... Just general terms, whether you're an endurer, survivor, warrior, or not a warrior, people have different sort of attitudes about that, depending on certain terminology is popular within certain types of cancers and not so popular in other types of cancers.
2: I I would just say I'd like to to share a brief anecdote uh, that illustrates how uninformed even I was. So here I was five years into being diagnosed with cancer, and I finally had to start chemo. And a couple of rounds into my chemotherapy, at my infusion center, I don't know if this was part of a national thing or what, but they were celebrating, and I'm going to use that term loosely, celebrating Cancer Survivors Week at the infusion center. And I was was very confused by this because I was not aware at the time that the term survivor, that that can be a really, really touchy term with a lot of people. I I had no idea that it's used to mean basically anyone from the point that they're first diagnosed with cancer until (laughs) until they're no longer with us. And, And that includes, you're still a survivor, whether you've been cured, whether you're in remission or whatever. And but I had no idea because I was thinking of it from a just a common, sensical layperson type of perspective, which is that, well, I'm not a survivor. But I have an incurable form of cancer. How how am I? You know, nobody here at the infusion center has survived cancer. If we had survived it, in, in the, my way of thinking about it, meaning that we had you know, been cured of it, then we wouldn't be here so i I was very perplexed by that whole thing
3: i use the term endure because like cancer is going to cancer you know it's going to do what it's going to do and i have some control i can i I can choose different doctors or different elect or not elect to do certain types of treatments and things like that but ultimately i mean science is science the way it works and all cancers are sort of different I really am coming to like uh, the brilliant Molly Marcos term, which is still liver, Yeah, I like there's that, that one a lot, yeah. You can take it either two ways. Sort of, I'm still alive, and what are you going to do about it? Sorry to disappoint you, but I'm still here. <laughs> or it somehow has like an onus of guilt of, so sorry, I'm still alive. <laughs> I like that. I like the humor, which is also something else. I mean, some people can kind of be lighthearted and prefer to be lighthearted and have a sense of humor about the cancer. Whereas some people like to be very, or prefer to be very serious about it. So that's kind of goes back to the comment that I made before. Sometimes it's best just not to say anything if you're unsure of what to say, because me, I know I'm kind of weird, but I, I, I like it when having brain cancer. I like it when friends kind of make jokes about how I have brain fog or, or whatever, or I have bad balance or whatever, where some other people, aren't going to take that so well. I think with you, maybe there are some jokes that you like about dying (laughs) someday.
2: Yeah. That's my favorite genre (laughs) of jokes is cancer death jokes, but there's nothing funny about cancer inherently, obviously. But I think that a lot of us like you and like me and a lot, a lot of people out there, I think it's just a way we deal with the frustrations and the sort of overwhelming nature of cancer is, is by, you know, poking fun at it or, or, or even laughing about things that happen to us, which is not to say that there aren't moments when I, I, I am terrified, but, but I try to limit those, obviously, and, and I think part of the way I'm able to do that is by laughing about the things that, that don't seem quite as as, as toxic. That's
3: a nice segue into sort of the first big term, because uh, I know that's some people have different reactions to the idea of being a cancer warrior or fighter versus not. And I get why people, some people like that, and I get why some people don't like it. wish we should just talk a little bit about that, because that's the most common I've heard a bazillion times is, you're going to beat this. You're going to keep on fighting. Uh, you're a warrior. Keep on trooping on. And I just don't see it. Personally in that 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 sort of light and I appreciate the support and the intention behind when people say that But it's not necessarily the way I personally approach it, but other people they love the idea of being a warrior and this sort of a more militaristic battle mission you're on to conquer this thing that's trying to redefine who you are as a person
2: yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, well, first of all, I think, I don't know if we can speak for people in other countries, but in this country, of course, we, we love our militarism. And, but I do think on a, on a serious psychological level, I think it, it has a, this, this notion of fighting or battling or being a warrior has a element, an element of, of empowerment for some people that they feel like they're they're doing something really concrete and, yeah and 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 I but I agree with you because the way I see it is really my body is essentially fighting against me or my, my my mind my wishes really the only thing that's sort of fighting back is the chemo or the radiation or the the surgery I, i'm a battleground i'm kind of like the antietam or verdun of the cancer battle you just sort of here and you know the two sides is duking it out I don't really feel like i'm I'm really much of a warring party in
3: are just hoping not to be a, a casualty of war and that's kind of the way i i feel I feel like I'm not directly involved in the battle, but I think some personal of they like to think of themselves as as being involved
2: obviously to have a completely passive attitude was probably quite unhealthy in, in the sense that you, if you feel completely victimized by the entire experience and that you have no control the reality is you don't really unfortunately have too much control but but like you're saying you, you can push yourself to do your exercises or to get out of bed or you know, <laughs> probably the most active thing i do other than exercise to combat cancer to use a, a warlike verb is taking my pills when i'm supposed to
3: you work so i mean that's something too i mean we can put working quotation mark. <laughs> right. Yes. That's
2: yeah. Definitely in quotation
3: mark. <laughs> but it, it's something. I. Mean, it's really important to keep yourself busy and occupied and feeling productive, whether it's physically or mentally or both. Not to be a downer. and had a, a friend pass away over the weekend, but he had largely lost the will to live. I think quite a few months ago, and he was very much a person who wasn't getting out of bed, who wasn't doing much with his time besides. Sleeping and sleeping is important, but it's also important to do other things with your time when you feel good. I think that helps keep you alive and I know for myself and I'm sure for you, having kids is a, is a big motivator. a spouse or partner is a big motivator. you want to be there for them. but I think when you stop caring about those around you, even if you have a very small support group, it's still important to keep active
2: yes, and maybe this is a good. Segue into people who care about those of us with cancer when, when they're trying to boost our spirits or whatever. You know, sometimes speak in in phrases that are certainly well intentioned, but are not necessarily so well received. Sometimes I, I think that in an attempt to bolster our spirits or to try to keep us from Dwelling on the negative or what could even be the the reality, they'll say overly optimistic things, and, and I and I don't know your experience, Rudy, but I usually think that falls on on at best on deaf ears, if not causes me to bristle a little bit.
3: You know, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think that the the good example is my wife tends to be, I think, very encouraging, but under also understanding maybe too understanding of some of the physical limitations. And kind of gives me more excuses to lay in bed and lay around. Whereas my mother, she's like, "Come on, get up!
2: <laughs>
3: you gotta do this now. You gotta get out of bed. Let's wake up. Open up all the blinds." And that's not great either. So you have to find a good balance. Do yep. you think that you're saying to somebody to be encouraging, often aren't interpreted by the person you're telling them to quite the same way as you think they are being interpreted by them?
2: Sometimes people will say you'll be fine <laughs>
3: oh, <laughs> oh, oh
2: really oh I didn't know you were an oncologist even if, if your oncologist tells you that they don't even know a lot, a lot of yeah time, I mean oncologists
3: will never say even if you are have, are free of cancer in your system they never say you're cured just because they know that there's a chance it could reoccur come back in a different form because there's so much that's not known about cancer um, and not to mention the fact that even if you're eventually fine six months down the road, there's going to be good days and bad days between them. And somebody who's experiencing the wonderful cancer journey, um, they aren't necessarily thinking six months down the road. I mean, I think they do to a certain extent, but on a day-to-day basis, they're more thinking about how do I feel right now? How do I feel? How will I feel in three days from now? They're not thinking about six months from now. They may in the back of their mind be saying, yeah, it's going to be better in six months. And when I look back, I'll laugh at that time I had whatever, I had prostate cancer. Ha, 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 ha.
2: It was so horrible. And and I think part of the problem is even though, again, I, I don't want people who are listening to this to feel that they're, they're so inhibited in what they can say that they totally avoid their friends and family members who have cancer. Because that, I don't know about you, Rudy, but that, that's happened to me. People. Yeah. I mean, and I, so and I understand that I think because it's so terrifying to everyone. Just a, just a word just scares people to death. That and, and I think people are so worried. But anyway, it, I don't. It's
3: like kind of going back to the idea of not. Sometimes it's better not to say anything than to, to not know what to say. But that doesn't mean you should be out of the person's life. Like I'm, I'm still a relative cancer newbie, just a little over a year past my diagnosis, but. I've had a couple of very close friends who I reached out to just because I hadn't heard from them. And I was like, Hey man, what's going on? How, how are you doing? Or whatever. And they, and they apologize for not being in touch. And they admit that they just don't know what to say. And I'm saying, well, you don't have to say anything. Just just be my friend. Just say you're thinking of me. Just say I'm, you're rooting for me. I'm sorry you feel nauseous today or you're really tired. And that's it. And the rest is just be, be a friend. Treat him just like a human because so much of the cancer experience is as you're sort of alluding to it's very lonely, but it's also very dehumanizing, I think, to certain things where you lose a sense of your own identity. Who am I? Am am I cancer or am I not cancer? And I think the key to ultimate success, however you define that in battling cancer, there's a fighting uh, verbiage again, is your attitude and reminding yourself that you are still a human, you still exist.
2: Yeah, well, I I also think that again, not to gender stereotype, but I think it can be, I think, really hard for people who care about men who have cancer because I think men, again, because we tend to be to be somewhat stoical about our feelings, that I think it's hard sometimes for friends to know how to react because they don't know what you're thinking because you're not communicating. So it's a really a challenging dynamic, but I think to your point, just being a friend, listening is a great thing, even though we're not saying so much sometimes, but even just talking about other things, I think just letting people with cancer know that you are there is a world of benefit
3: yeah, I mean it's a big thing I kind of the I had a friend that came over and would just sit with me. we wouldn't talk it was kind of heavy it was the worst trying to at least at that time was trying to have a conversation with somebody because my speech was all slurry. I was super tired. I didn't even really want to be awake, but just having a friend in the room, just sitting there with me as I slept, he was just on his phone the whole time doing whatever, but it was nice occasionally just being able to lean over, say a few words and then move on. Or even just a text, a friendly text from somebody that an acquaintance just saying, hey, just checking out how you doing today. Thinking of you or whatever. It was nice. I didn't necessarily have to respond back other than a, a like or a a thank you or whatever. But it kind sure of reminds me. One of the terms that this is something that kind of came up in a couple of Facebook closed groups. One of them recently posted a sort of a demographic chart of the breakdown of people who were in it, and it was overwhelmingly female. It was it was 87% female to like 13% male and I don't know what the exact statistics are, but I imagine they're probably in the real world in terms of men versus women who has cancer, it's probably much closer to 50-50. So I think that tells you in itself, guys are a little bit more apprehensive to talk about it or seek out others to talk about it with. And that's why we're um, here. Yeah, and that's why we're here. guys. And and that's why we
2: have this extremely (laughs) helpful podcast. Well, maybe we should talk for a minute or two just about some of the sort of the etiquette that that you mentioned at the outset. But I I would just like to, before we move on, to just say one or two other phrases that I I think aren't really particularly well-received as a general matter. Like One that I know a lot of people dislike, and I have to include myself in this group, is that the... Expression: The universe doesn't give you more than you can handle. I, I'm not really mm. a big. I'm not really a big fan of that. I, I don't. I, yeah. I, 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 often, me of- I often feel like maybe maybe the universe has miscalculated <laughs> because it doesn't feel like more. Uh, somebody better check the math on this because it, it seems like an awful lot some days.
3: It's like I, I know a number of parents of kids with disabilities. A sort of a popular. Platitude that is used that people that I know that is kind of a trigger for parents of kids with debil- disabilities is that you were given a child with issues because you God knew that you were strong enough to handle it. And, right. I right. and you know a number of parents are like, "No, I'm strong enough to handle it, not because God thought that I was strong enough to handle it. I'm, I'm strong enough to handle it because I have no choice. Right. You know, I have to be strong enough to handle it just because I care about this." Person who is my offspring, and so that's why it's kind of a, a sensitive hot button issue. Is please don't tell me that I'm going to be fine and I'm strong enough to handle it. Because yeah, sure, some days I am, but uh, other days I'm not strong enough to handle it at all. That, that, it's that, tough. That, it's a tough. I know.
2: I know. I know. It's meant to be inspiring or to, to make you feel as though you you can manage it. But it really, I don't think, unfortunately, has that that re- effect on most people.
3: What are some other things that We've heard people kind of other cancer people kind of complain about.
2: Well, one, see, now I I doubt you get this, which it's not a competition, but lots of times you'll be told, well, you have the good cancer. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> like, yeah, like, so, well, uh, wait, he, wait, wait, wait a, spoiler, a minute. <laughs> spoiler alert
3: all the cancers are awful. There is no such thing as good cancer. One thing that is quote unquote good about your cancer is that it doesn't necessarily impact you physically in a lot of ways, but that doesn't mean that doesn't impact you psychologically.
2: Yeah. And well, you and I, was weak, told- I was weak psychologically before I got cancer. So I, I always think cancer was not a good fit for me because I was already like a, like a nervous Nelly, And so having <laughs> cancer really did nothing to help that. But, but yeah, but you're I, saying that
3: you, you're saying that maybe God didn't choose you to get cancer because you could handle it.
2: Right. Yeah, I'm saying that maybe maybe God miscalculated, I, and I know God's infallible, but I'm pretty sure that all cancers can have the ability to kill a person. So I don't really think yeah. that's a good one. One of the other ones I don't I don't care for. And of course, this this really hits close to home because, like I said, I'm I'm by nature one of my top skills is worrying. Is when people tell me, "Oh, don't worry," it it minimizes the very real concerns that cancer. Causes one to have you know, somebody's just it's just dismissive. I mean, yeah, I mean, a, there's a lot I have, to worry about.
3: I have a friend in Boston who is a therapist and a very good one at that. But she blogs and talks a lot about on social media about how the idea of don't worry, be happy is is kind of ludicrous. Part of being able to deal adequately with your situation is being realistic. So it's it's okay to to feel overwhelmed, to be having anxiety, to be fearful, and and recognizing that is part of dealing with it. Just like for us, having a sense of humor is part of dealing with our pain. It adds quality of life, at least for us. Maybe it won't for everybody, but it's important, I think, regardless of whether or not you have a sense of humor, to be realistic about your situation. And and part of dealing with it is anybody who has cancer is going to have their bad days. And it's okay to... Just little, let your friend or loved one who's having a bad day and being negative, let them be negative. They know that they need to refocus on the big picture, but it's just part of the is of going through it. There's good days, there's bad days. Some people get very emotional and tearful. I got very angry at certain points over the last year, partially because of some steroids I was on, but also just because that was my way of dealing with the frustration of not being able to put my kids to bed or Unfortunately, I'm in a much better place now. It is part of the, the, the wonderful journey that's full of all sorts of surprises, good and bad. Mostly bad, but there's some good things that happen.
2: So. Yes, there are some good things. There definitely are. There's a lot of unsolicited advice and giving that I've encountered, and as a general as a general proposition, I'd have to say nobody wants that.
3: Yeah, I mean, even if the person personally is into, um, trust me, they've done their research, they've made kind of their minds up on their own. They don't want suggestions on, hey, this diet worked for my whatever. I mean, if the person going through it is into it, cool, but trust me, they've already concentrated kind of out on their own. And then most of the time, it's usually something that, I mean, there's so many, so much stuff that's scared about cancer in itself that. There's so much thought that's gone into whatever the person has said that chooses the proper treatment it's themselves. That change, of course, just really isn't something that somebody is psychologically able to deal with because you're already questioning your mortality and if you've made the right decision health-wise for yourself. and
2: It's not it's not helpful to have people essentially second-guessing what you've done, particularly yeah. when they <laughs> they're not experts.
3: You're saying that Doug Q42 knows more than my doctor who went to school for eight years and writing research paper after research paper and done clinical studies and deals with my particular particular type of cancer every single day of her life for the last 30 years. I don't know.
2: Like I wouldn't tell somebody who decided they didn't want to pursue chemo even if that's the conventional treatment here for a particular type of cancer, that if they didn't want to do it, I wouldn't say to them, well, I think you're making a huge mistake. I mean, I might think that, but I think I think it's strange to assume that anybody makes a decision about anything cancer-related just sort of on a whim. I mean, I guess there are people who do do that, but I think most of us take it fairly seriously because, not to be overly dramatic about it, but it is sort of your life on the line. <laughs> so,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, final thoughts. For me, personally, and everybody's different, I'm just not, I'm not a fan of tough love. I feel bad enough that it's irritating. I mean, I know where it's coming from, but if somebody's trying to be encouraging, but doing it kind of in like, come on, let's go, you gotta get up, you gotta you gotta go on your walk today, you gotta do X, Y, and Z, it makes me more resentful than anything. Yeah, me too. So, me too. It's been an interesting topic.
1: Thanks for listening to Guys With
0: Cancer. So that was the first two episodes of Guys With Cancer. Hope you like that. Um, there's about another 11 or 12 episodes that I'll sprinkle through. Sporadic episodes. Certainly not every episode. I'll probably separate them by five or six. Get them all in. Anyway, uh, next week. Oh my God. I'm very excited about this one. Hope you will enjoy it. You may or may not prove this person, but you should have because very important person in the world of music at least to me and he is only the first of many to come i have a lot of interesting names lined up and that's all i'm going to say talk at you next week
1: thanks for listening new episodes of the r3 podcast most sundays see the episode description for notes and where to find more online